Mercy and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our words uh, for the foundation of our message are actually from Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. It kind of gives the foundation for the warning uh, that our vicar read just a while ago. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. You may be seated. At this point in the scriptures, in Matthew chapter 10, uh, there's a series of warnings that Jesus is giving to his disciples. He's getting set to send them out in groups of two to minister uh, to the area around them. It's kind of a test the waters as you go out and share my story is what Jesus is empowering his disciples. And he's instructing them in the early part of this chapter. He says, listen, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's from Matthew 10, verse 5 and 6. Jesus wants his disciples to start off by going into what should be a safe area. But if you remember when Vicar was reading the lesson from the Old Testament, Jeremiah 20, Jeremiah was actually pressing a word against the people of Israel, God's chosen people that were acting like a stiff-necked bunch of people and were refusing to follow God's commands. Jeremiah was being persecuted by a priest, no less. And so Jesus wants the disciples at this point in his life to know it's going to be tough even ministering to my own. For my, I came into the world, but my own did not receive me. Jesus reminds us. So he's reminding you and I today that we are being sent out as sheep amidst the wolves, but we want to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And in the early part of our gospel lesson for today, Jesus tells us, brother will be delivered over to death, and father will deliver his child, and child will rise against their parents, and they will have them put to death. And you will be hated for my name's sake. Thus says the Lord, yea, God, thanks for the encouragement. How many of you, when you have a problem, if somebody comes in and, and maybe helps navigate that, that problem with you or, or maybe provides a solution, how many of you experience just a sense of, of gratefulness? You're grateful when there is actually some help uh, to the midst of a challenge that you have. I remember from my own life experience when I was working ambulances, many times we would show up on scene, and before we even get out of the ambulance, the faces of the family members of the hurting would go from one of distress and worry to one of just relief because somebody was there to help. And then after we packaged up the person who was hurting and sent them off to the hospital, um, many times they would come and say thank you. And when you have someone solve a problem for you, you probably express thank you or, or gratitude. You're, you're grateful for it. Well, Jesus doesn't have that same experience. He, he comes to solve a problem, and here's the problem that we are all facing 
often is referred to in our baptismal rite, where we're reminded we're all conceived and born sinful, we're under the power of the devil until Christ claims us as his own, and we would be lost forever unless delivered from sin, death, and everlasting condemnation. Do you hear the problem? Everlasting condemnation under the power of the devil unless Christ acts. Okay. Who here loves Jesus? Raise your hand. I mean, you're here for a reason, right? Jesus invited you. It's a good thing. You like, you're grateful for what the Lord has done. But this idea of everlasting condemnation and, and the knowledge that we have that Jesus is the solution, that Jesus did act as the Savior of all mankind, you know, to the world, they want no part of it. Jesus came to work salvation for us, and, and he was the one, and he alone endured a whole wave of wrath from God as he was experiencing the punishment for guilt of sins that he did not commit. He hung on that cross. He was murdered, if you would, only three days later to rise again and ascend into heaven. And now he offers that salvation to everyone who would freely take it. It's a free gift, as we have from Romans chapter 6. God's gift of salvation, it's a free gift. Who loves free stuff? You know, I, I bet if we were to do an experience, if we were to take the marquees that we have in church and we were to say something like, free beer, do you think there would be a line? Do you think there would be a line if we were to say, guaranteed health and life and vitality? Do you think people would come? Whole industries are based on that, right? Isn't that the promise of the gospel? Life, health, and vitality? Sure, we don't get that until we get to paradise, but isn't that the promise of the gospel? Jesus wants us to have life and have it to the full. And yet, where are the lines? There's something at work here. Jesus has a good message. He is the message that we need to hear, but there's something at work against that message. It's sin, death, and the devil. And they are fighting a war of lies against the proclamation of the good news of salvation. It's a bunch of con artists. And it's convincing the world, and yes, even you and I in our sinful nature, that what is good is, is really bad. And what is bad is really good. I mean, you're hearing phrases like this, right? There's a new normal. God wants all things. He, he, if he were to send his, it would be this way now, right? There, there's this whole idea. Oh, churches, you're out of touch. Get with the program. Get with life the way it's supposed to be. It's all that con artist game that's being given. Sin, death, and the devil fighting a war for your soul, wanting to see you destroyed. And people are being persecuted for the truth of the scriptures. And the, the gospel message is actually meant to be an encouragement. Jesus is, is giving us the warning of how bad it's going to be to show us that he's in control. He recognizes, yes, it's going to be 
tough. You are going to be ministering in the face of persecution. Many will lose their lives, especially in the disciples' day and age for the faith. And these words from Matthew chapter 10 give comfort to the persecuted Christian around the world because it reminds us that God is in control. He's not some distant God that says, it's a bummer to be you. I'm glad you're following me. And That's not what God is saying. No, he recognizes and he puts words like this in scripture for us from 1 Corinthians. He says, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This word of encouragement reminds us of the opposition that we're going to face in the world. And yes, there is opposition. I remember talking with a young lady who was all excited to be applying to a school of genetic science. And she was told in the application process at the interview, if you're a Christian, you do not want to be seen practicing that because no self-respecting scientist practices the Christian faith. There is persecution. Needless to say, she did not sign up for that school. She found another school where she can hold on to her faith without ridicule. Do you find comfort in knowing that that God understands? Do you find comfort in knowing that God understands it's tough to share his word, that you will face rejection and maybe even persecution? Who finds comfort in that? Okay. Now, Knowing that up here, who wants to go with me right now and let's just go downtown and we'll just start telling people about Jesus. Everybody going to sign up right now? You see how it works? It's a little nerve-wracking, isn't it? But wait, when the rubber hits the road, it's tough. We don't want to face that judgment. And some of us, uh, and you know, even in churches, and I pray it doesn't happen here at St. Lawrence, but when and if it does, we pray for forgiveness, that sometimes we're, we're willing to water down our teachings, we're willing to water down the word of God in order to kind of get along with the world. And we don't want to be in that business. We don't want to be motivated by fear. We don't want to do things out of fear because we have a God who's more powerful than all things. And he reminds us in a scripture in Matthew 10, later on in that chapter that Vicar read, he says, do not fear those that kill the body but can kill the soul. Rather, fear him who could destroy both body and soul in hell. What's he talking about there? He's talking about himself. Fear me. And what does it mean to fear God? It means to have awe and reverence and respect to recognize that Jesus is who he said he was. That he is God. He is our Lord. There's a lot of folks that that hold on to the the frilly and the lovey part of Jesus. Oh, Jesus is love. Jesus is my buddy. And that's good. But we don't want to do it at the expense and the reminder that Jesus is also judge. He is coming one day to reconcile the world, to to pronounce judgment. And he doesn't want anybody to be caught in that weight or caught in that wrath. And so the gospel message for you and for me is a sweet message. It's a, a blessing for those of us that believe because we recognize that while it 
When the rubber hits the road, it's a challenge for us to share our faith, and, and we may compromise. He never did. And he never did because he cared that much about you. He wanted to make sure that you would be redeemed, that you would have a relationship with him. He's the one that paid for our sins, even the sins of watered-down doctrine and kind of muddying our teachings a little bit. Jesus is the one that remained faithful. He never compromised God's word. Can you imagine the moment before he's arrested and getting set to resolutely go towards the cross? Those men that were gathered with him who hours before gathered around a fellowship meal were warned by Jesus, you will fall away and the devil wants to sift you like wheat. And to a man, every one of them said, no, we will never deny you. We'd rather die than deny you. Only to have the soldiers come at the Garden of Gethsemane and each one run in fear for their own lives. And then Peter made a bigger fool of himself as he denied Jesus three times when the people knew exactly who he was. And yet Jesus accepted all of those disciples back and empowered them to make a life-changing difference in the world. He would have accepted Judas back also, but Judas took matters into his own hands. He saw that there was no hope for him, and he took his own life. Despite our shortcomings, despite our fear, despite our desire to every once in a while just kind of fudge the truth so that we could get along with the world, We have a God who's faithful to us to the very end, and he sends his Holy Spirit to help us cling to him in faith. And we know that there will be a time when we experience life and vitality the way that Jesus meant to be. It'll be on the other side of paradise. And he commissions us as his children to live with that hope and that expectation that we will stand before God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in perfect health, and that gift is absolutely free to all who would receive it. There's no strings attached. He welcomes us all. For those of us who believe, we will live forever with God. Good news? Yeah. We're going to have to take a lot of practice, right? But we have the power of the Holy Spirit who's already equipped us for every good work. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. Amen.